Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Um, I don't see any signs out this morning. I, don't, I, th I think we let we let we lost the, we let, dropped the ball. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is, did, is, did Charles Darwish donate this week's breakfast? I'm not sure. I think he may have. We'll do it uh, regardlessly. Louis Nishmat, Daisy Bagorjia, uh, who is uh, uh, Sandy Shohet's mother, Haron's mother-in-law. Uh, they are pillars of the community in every sense of the word. Um, some people, if they, if they don't come to synagogue, we miss them. But some people, if they don't come to synagogue, the synagogue collapses. Haron, Haron is uh, literally a pillar of the community. His children are always here in the shul. Uh, they're praying. They don't, you know, they're so much a part of the fabric of our community. Uh, he's dedicated beyond belief. And... Um, and, uh, you know, it takes a very special woman to uh, allow her husband to be here all hours of the day or night. Um, so we're very grateful to Sandy. <clears throat> and we uh, wish you tremendous um, comfort in this very difficult time. The funeral will be today at 3 p.m. In, uh, in New Montefiore, if I'm not mistaken. My friends, our parasha opens with a very famous line which is perhaps even more, even more famously interpreted by Rabbi uh, Shamshon Raphael Hirsch. And I want to express the idea, and then perhaps we can kind of spiral it away from its origin source and its context into something which I think is relevant to each and every one of us. The Pasuk says, Emor el kohanim bene Aharon ve'amarta alehem le'nefesh lo yitama ve'amav. Say to the Kohanim, the sons of Aharon, and say to them, to a soul, lo he cannot become impure amongst the nation. Uh, Kohen doesn't have the right to be able to go to whichever funeral he wants. He can go to a funeral specifically of the seven Kirovim, of the seven close relatives that the, that the Pasuk will delineate in, uh, in just a couple of verses. So... <clears throat> Everybody asks the same question. Emor el Aaron. Say to the Kohanim, the sons of Aaron, ve'amarta al, and you shall say to them. So we started off by saying, say to them. It doesn't tell you what to say to them. Say to the Kohanim, the sons of Aaron, and you should say to them that they shouldn't become tameh. So what is this extra ve'amarta? So Rashi on the spot already deals with the question. He says, We tell the elders to communicate it to the youngers. So we're telling them, Say to the Kohanim, the sons of Aaron, And you should cause them to say to their children, to raise their children with the knowledge of what they are and what they are not allowed to become impure to. But... Rav Shamshun Rafael Hirsch offers perhaps a little bit of a deeper uh, insight or perhaps what, to explain to us what Rashi means. What is this telling to the elders to tell the children? What is this? And why do we find it uniquely here? He explains a magnificent idea. He says, you know, imagine you're a kid in school, you go to school, everyone in the class has the same thing has the same, you know, concept. The kid doesn't want to say Birkat Amazon. Everybody else says Birkat Amazon. 
So he knows this is something that everybody has to do. He doesn't feel, you know, oh, why do I have to do this? Everybody has to do this. Everybody, okay? So he feels like he's part of something. If you're the only kid in the class that has to do something, you come home and you say to your mother, and you say to your dad, you know, why do I have to go to bed at eight o'clock? Every one of my class goes to bed at nine. Why do I have to go to Shul Shabbat morning? Every one of my friends stays home and plays basketball, right? A child that feels like they are being isolated from their friends, that they have to do something that their friends, their peer group doesn't have to do, that child is resentful of what the parents are making him do. Says Rabbi Hirsch, turns out that a little Kohen boy, you know, if he looks, my kids grew up, you know, a lot of times with people that weren't religious in the house. We had them over Shabbat. If someone came and brought a telephone to the table on Shabbat, they didn't know better. They have their phone with them, you know. Oh, let me just call my friend, they're running late. You know, they have no idea. They're not embarrassed to do it because they don't know that they're not supposed to. My kids never thought, oh, that means that you're allowed to have a phone on Shabbat. They understood that our job as a rabbi was to reach out, was to help people up that ladder, not to judge them, but to encourage them. So my kids were able to delineate, to differentiate between those that were not religious and themselves. They didn't learn that lesson. They didn't resent what they had because they knew we are categorically different. We were raised different. We have different values. But how about when this Kohen kid, religious kid, traditional kid, looks over at the other kid, traditional kid, religious kid, but he happens to be Israel, happens to be a Levi. He don't have the problem that he can't go to his uh, grandfather's funeral. He don't have this issue. He doesn't have a problem about who he's going to marry. If she's divorced or not. These are not issues for him. A Kohen is liable to resent what he has to do because not every God-fearing, traditional or religious or attached Jew fulfills that mitzvah either. Says Rav Hirsch, so what is the antidote the parent must communicate to the child? Emor el ha-Kohanim. Say to the Kohanim, Bene Aharon. It's not telling you that Kohanim are the sons of Aharon. If we're this far into Vayikra, we already know that. We learned about it in Shemot, and again in Shemot, and again in Shemot, and then again in Vayikra, and again in Vayikra, again and again and again and again. This is not news. What we're telling the Kohen Gadol, the elder Kohen, the father, to tell his child is, don't tell your kid you can't do. Don't tell your kid you have to do. You do tell your kid you are lucky. You are a son of Aharon Kohen. Different rules apply to you because you are lucky. Different rules apply to you because you were born into a heritage that your friend doesn't have. My friends, this idea which Rabbi Hirsch shares with regards to Kohen, when a kid feels that he has a higher status, and that higher status, that higher form of responsibility, you know, that higher form of, of self, of nobility, comes with responsibility. A kid can understand that. You know, if you tell a prince that he needs to stay in school an extra hour, you know why? You're the prince. You need to learn another language to communicate with other people in your kingdom. The kid doesn't resent learning another language because learning that other language represents the fact that he's more powerful than everybody else, that he has a richer future ahead of him, that he's someone who is ruling over a country with one language and another country with another language. That's how he looks at the extra responsibility, like he's lucky. My friends, 
How do we communicate this idea to our children, even if we're not Kohanim? Today, our kids live in a world which isn't so isolated. They mix, at least in the business world, with people who are secular Jews. They mix with people who are not Jewish. And you know what? Every weekend, they have to take off work. And this other guy who joined the company at the same time, he's getting ahead because he's putting in one extra day. And the kid feels, what am I doing? I'm losing out because I have to keep Shabbat. The nuance of being able to communicate to our children, to our fellow Jews, it's not that you have to do something. It's that you get to do something. That's not limited to an elder Kohen talking to a younger Kohen. It's the language that, that works when we're trying to inspire people to communicate to them how special they are, and therefore, that nature comes with an added level of responsibility. Many times when I'll communicate this idea with parents is, commu- is to teach a child how special it is to be Jewish, how special it is to have a relationship with Borei Olam. They tell me, Rabbi, I need you to talk to my kids. I don't know how to say that. If you know me for more than 10 seconds, you'll know what my answer is. If you don't know how to communicate that with your children, that's not a problem I could solve. Because I'm not their parent. And I'm just the rabbi. And of course, I'm going to say it. You have to develop that language. If your kid doesn't feel lucky to be Jewish, and therefore they're resenting the mitzvot, do you know why you're lucky to be Jewish? Never mind if you'll fail explaining it to him. But do you have a grip on that concept? Do you feel, when you say in the morning, Shalom Asani Goy, not about the Goy. I always say this to people. That bracha has nothing to do with a non-Jewish person. They're just the person against which you're recognizing contextually that you are different. We're not saying, thank God I'm not that. We're saying, thank God I am this. But all the brachot in the morning are phrased in the negative so that you should be able to see based on the contrast, how you were different from that other thing. Whether it's that you could stand with a straight back, that you're not naked, but you're clothed. Whether Shiloh Asani Goy, whether Shiloh Asani Evid. Why don't you thank God for being a free man? You know why? Because you never thought in your whole life what freedom means. You were born free. Any of you ever woke up and think, oh my God, Hashem, democracy. You're the best. No, because you were born into democracy. But if your parents were fighting, were part of the the, the Minutemen, if your parents were fighting against the British, you know, when in 1776, and every day your father at the table thumped his, his fist on the table and said, it's ridiculous. Stamp tax is out of control. Not doing it. I'm going down to Boston. We're having a tea party. Dad, what's a tea party? We're going to throw all the tea into the ocean. Why would you do that, Dad? Those monarchs in England, they can't control us anymore. It's a new world. People should be given the freedom to control themselves. If that's what you heard every day, you'd appreciate freedom. So in order for us to appreciate what we have, we always have to think about what what it would look like if we didn't. A little bit like what I said Friday night. My friends, this concept... <laughs> Rashi says, it doesn't make the locus or the focus of this. 
about the child. We make it about the parent, about the elder, about the rabbi. <clears throat> There's a word in Arabic, and the word is mabisir. There's another word that we heard a lot growing up. It's called aib. How would you translate aib and mabisir? No. You're embarrassed. I inappropriate. Inappropriate. Mabisir. Forbidden. Not allowed. I perhaps goes further than Mabisir. Like even if it is allowed, still Aib. Like you say, Mabisir. Eh, Mabisir? Aib. Might be allowed. It's not right. There's only so far the words not allowed and not right go. Because we live today in a generation that feels that they're allowed to do whatever's not right if they want to do it. There's no such thing as saying that something is forbidden. So the only way to communicate in the new world why people should do mitzvot is to express and to explain to them what they get out of the mitzvot. What they get if they sign up for this course. You know, if you're ever on social media, you'll see that they're always giving you these, uh, you know, pipe dreams of what will happen if you just do this diet for 30 days or if you just do this workout for 15 minutes or if you just invest in Bitcoin for three days or if you just, right? This is that you'll receive X. What people want to know today is not what can I give, but what will I get? Now, it used to be that that was the language of children in the time of the Torah. Today, we're all kids. What do I get? So maybe it's worth, I've started giving homework. The other day I gave homework, I talked about showing somebody love without expecting anything in return. Reaching out to somebody and, and, exp and expressing to them that you care about them. So someone reached out to me and said, Rabbi Fari, I got some homework from Rabbi Fari. I just wanted to know, how are you feeling? How are you doing today? <laughs> Cute. Funny guy. Good friend. My friends, I want to give you a little homework. My homework today, for all of you, is before you tell anybody anything, your wife, your kids, your friend, whatever, think for yourself. If I had to write a few sentences about why I feel lucky to be Jewish, why I think it's such a great perk that it's worth doing a heck of a lot in order to be able to do it. How would you express that? How would you say it? Rav Chaim used to say a great line. He said, if you cannot explain something, you do not truly understand it. I fought in my mind with that concept for a little while until I realized he was right. It's like, no, some things you can't express. Yes, because you don't understand it. If you truly understood it, you'd be able to express it. Now, you might need to use words that kind of communicate a depth or a profundity of feeling that you can't express, but I'll allow that cheat. <laughs> yeah, at least you're talking around the hole, eventually falling in it. What would you say? How would you express it? The Kohen gives only two words. You know what he has to say to his son? Bene Aharon. 
Do you know who your grandfather was? Your grandfather was the person, the person, that if you look in a Jewish dictionary under the word shalom, peace, you know what it has? It has a picture of Aaron Cohen. Your grandfather was the paradigm. He brought so much peace between husbands and wives, between friends, between business partners. He would go to each one, get them on board, and finally get the handshake done. That God said about that person, not only is he going to make shalom between man and fellow man, I want him to be the man who makes shalom between Yisrael and God, the one that brings the korban on. He's your grandpa. He's your grandpa. That's what you have to live up to. So you know what? There's rules when you have a grandpa like that. The Torah tells us that when Aharon died, all of the people, every Jew, man, woman, and child, went out crying. Look, you know, I, kinda, I don't ever wish for what will happen when I die. But that's a pretty nice thing to have. Yeah? That's a pretty nice... Not for your honor. For a barometer as to what you've achieved. That the whole community, man, woman, truck, they're crying that you're gone. You must, have been, you must have done something right. And the Gemara says that thousands and thousands and thousands of children carried the name Aharon. Why? Because their parents recognized that this child that was born could only have been born because of Aharon HaKohen keeping their marriage intact. Holy cow! You sit the kid down and you say, that's your grandpa. Now to do that, to be that, there's some things we gotta do. But you know what the kid feels like? I wanna share with you something. It's a little embarrassing, but I'll share it with you anyway. I went to speak at a conference a while ago. It was a conference in Mexico. And together, uh, speaking at this event was myself and a world-famous speaker whose name is, I think I could, yeah, Rabbi Pesach Kron. He comes out nice in the story, so. Now, you have to understand, Rabbi Pesach Kron is someone that I respect tremendously. He was the man. He was, he was the famous speaker before there were famous speakers. Like, he was the one that came around to all the schools and all the communities. He was the one that wrote all those books, you know. So this is a guy that I looked up to from when I was young. Now, he and I are speaking on the same ticket. It's weird for me. But what's even weirder is that I'm giving a speech, and he walks in, sits down in the front row, and he's sitting there like this, listening to me. And I was, I had, it was the most out-of-body experience. I couldn't process it. At the end of the speech, he comes up to me, he says, wow. You are so talented, you're so wonderful. I'm like, wow, I'm exploding. The hot air is coming in, you know? I'm, it's not, it wasn't here, it was probably here. Like the head is, you know, expanding. You said, is that from you? You made, yeah, <laughs> bad for them, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Remember the marshmallow man from Ghostbusters? Right, like this, I'm getting, ah, and he's giving me the compliments, buttering me up, so beautiful, right? And he says, you know, for such an amazing speaker, such an amazing rabbi, he says, I noticed, he says, that when you were speaking, you drank out of the bottle. He said, for a Talmid Chacham of your caliber, you should really be pouring it into a cup. It's not kavod to be drinking out of the bottle. I was like, you're absolutely correct, absolutely. He knew 
that after making me feel so big and so good and so amazing, he could have told me anything. He could have given me any rebuke. Because now, <laughs> you got, it has to fit with this persona he's just created for you in your own mind. It was masterclass in giving tochacha. Imagine he walked up to me and said, you shouldn't be drinking out of a bottle. What would I say? That's what you have to say after that whole speech. That's yours. <laughs> Sometimes you have that. You say a derasha, someone comes up, Rabbi, I have to correct you. It was wrong. You were wrong. What was I wrong about? It didn't happen on Tuesday when the guy came to it. It happened on Monday. That's the, right? You, you push the guy aside. Come on. But when someone gives you, they make you feel that way, then they give tochacha. I would listen to anything. My friends, that is the art of inspiring a person. You know who your grandpa was? Yeah. You have a name? There's big shoes. You're willing to do anything for it. I'm named after my grandpa. I think the Syrians have that right a little bit. Because they're not naming after people who passed away. They're naming you after people that you know, that you met. And all my father has to say is, you're carrying your grandfather's name. Do you know what he did for the people in Syria? You know how many people he saved? He got out of the country. He got documents. You know, are you doing something for the community? You feel, you need, to, right? But in order to communicate it to others, we need to know it ourselves. So the homework for today is to sit down and to write out or to think through, how would I express why I feel so lucky to be a Jewish person, so lucky to be a Kohen, a Levi, a Torah scholar, a businessman, a businessman that gives tzedakah. What? Why do you feel lucky to do the mitzvot? And then when you do that, then you can communicate it to your children. And your children, not only are they telling you, oh, come on, Dad, I can't do this, I must do that, I have to do this. They'll feel, they see, they understand that that's your relationship with the mitzvah. And that's what they'll take. Uh, that's all they'll take from it as well. Baruch Adonai Amen